the description of what he was observed to be doing uh, is evidence of bizarre, aggressive behavior. You put the two together, that to me says he was impaired, he was intoxicated, he would, and there's a, there's a slang term, he's whacked on this PCP. From WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune, this is 16 Shots, the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. I'm Jen White. For the fourth day, attorneys for Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke called witnesses to aid in his defense. WBEZ's Patrick Smith is at the courthouse. And Patrick, today a specialist in the effects of the drug PCP testified for the defense. What did he have to say? Yeah, the defense called Dr. James O'Donnell. He's a pharmacologist to testify. Um, You know, the reason they called him is because we know that there was PCP in Laquan McDonald's blood uh, the night he was killed by Officer Jason Van Dyke. However, uh, the Cook County Medical Examiner last week testified that it was a low level. Um, Today, Dr. O'Donnell testified that he could tell, based on looking at the video and, and other police reports, that Laquan McDonald was high on PCP when he was killed, that his behavior was altered by that PCP. You know, he testified um, about possible effects that that being high on PCP can have, including hallucinations, making someone act aggressively, making someone not be able to feel pain or have superhuman strength. Um, And the reason he, he was up there is because the defense wanted him to help paint that picture that they've been trying to paint since day one of Laquan McDonald as a scary, dangerous person, the sort of person that it would be justifiable and reasonable to be afraid of, the sort of person that that you might need to use or did need to use deadly force on. In my opinion, based on all the evidence I've reviewed, he was intoxicated and impaired by PCP at the time of his death, as demonstrated by aggression, failure to heed orders from the police, assault on the the police vehicle, uh, continuing uh, aggressive movement toward uh, Officer Van Dyke. He looked unfazed. Uh, He looked like he was looking over us or through us. Uh, This is clinic, what what I would describe as clinical evidence of rage, aggressive, violent person. That is, in my opinion, caused by the PCP that they had used. How do you think his testimony landed with the jurors? Well, you know, I was talking to Shannon about that, and she said that she noticed that jurors were taking a lot of notes during his testimony, especially at particular points, including when he talked about how it can make a person feel like they had superhuman strength. She noticed a lot of note-taking, maybe, you know, and I haven't noticed a lot of note-taking when I've been in the courtroom, so that really stands out. So clearly this is something jurors were taking in and something they wanted to remember for deliberations. Also testifying today was a retired Chicago police officer. His name is Nicholas Pappas. He taught firearms classes at the academy when Jason Van Dyke was there. Why did the defense call him? Well, they called him to talk about the training that Jason Van Dyke would have received about the danger of people with knives and how you might need to use deadly force against a person with a knife. People are told that knives are deadly weapons, bludgeons are deadly weapons, uh, and you have to treat them accordingly. In fact, a knife can't, within within a, a certain distance and pace, a knife is more deadly than a gun simply because it will go through soft body armor. So is, soft, is a bulletproof vest soft body armor? Yes, yes. And a knife can go through that? Yes, the, uh, the soft body armor is designed to stop bullets, uh, not knives. 
One thing that they didn't get to do that we know they wanted to was play videos from that training that showed knife attacks or potential knife attacks that they showed to recruits at the academy. The judge would not let them show those videos for a couple reasons. One, he said that they get, turned these videos over to prosecutors too late. It didn't give prosecutors enough time to, they, they said, to cross-examine the videos. The other, the other reason the judge gave was because Officer Van Dyke, there's no proof that he actually saw those videos. You know, we can assume he did. He was at the academy at the time. This class was mandatory, but assuming he saw them doesn't rise to the level of evidence. So they weren't allowed to show the video. I have to imagine that was frustrating to the defense because I think, you know, they at least believe this would have been really powerful. You know, this is a case about a person with a knife who was about 15 feet away from Officer Van Dyke, and they wanted to show videos of somebody 15 feet away with a knife closing that distance really quickly and attacking. And I think they wanted that to, uh, they really wanted that to, to, to sit with the jury. Patrick, Pappas also talked about something called the 21-foot rule. What's that? Yeah, that, and that's something that was going to be shown in those videos. This is something that I've heard police officers talk about, especially in relation to the Van Dyke case. It's something that attorney Dan Her- Herbert has talked about. Um, it's this idea that a person can close 21 feet in a really short amount of time. Uh, what the 21-foot rule has to do with is the distance and time uh, of a threat. In other words, a, a standard combat shooting distance is 7 yards or 21 feet. And the question was asked many years ago, well, how quickly could someone cover 7 yards or 21 feet and use an, an impact weapon, like a knife or, or a club? And when tests were done to see how long it took, the average, amazingly, was about 1.5 seconds. And even people with leg injuries were doing it in under two seconds. And that's with the officer and the offender separated by 21 feet and both starting with no movement whatsoever. If you start cutting that distance or have the offender already in motion, well, that time becomes quite a bit less. Something that prosecutors pointed out last week is that that 21-foot rule applies to unholstering your weapon. The point is that if somebody's within 21 feet of you, you need to have your gun out because they could close that distance. It's not about shooting. But he did talk about the fact that if somebody's within 21 feet of you with a knife, they are a threat. How did prosecutors push back on these two witnesses? Well, with the pharmacologist, um, they turned to something that they turned to a lot, which is that Officer Van Dyke did not know these things, like the fact that Laquan McDonald was on PCP when he shot him. You know. They, they said, you know, Officer Van Dyke isn't, isn't a trained pharmacologist, and he couldn't have known, having been on the scene for just a few seconds, that Laquan McDonald was high on PCP. The other thing they pushed back on with Dr. O'Donnell was the idea that what Laquan McDonald was doing was aggressive behavior. You know, that's something that O'Donnell kept saying, that he's acting aggressively, and you can tell that's because he's high on PCP. What prosecutors were saying is, no, he's not acting aggressively, he's just avoiding officers. He's disobeying, but he's not actually doing anything aggressive. And what about Nicholas Pappas? That's the retired Chicago police officer who taught the firearms classes. How did prosecution push back against him? The way they pushed back on him was using his own instruction materials against him. You know, the reason the defense brought him up was to say, hey, here's the instruction that Jason Van Dyke got. And they obviously focused in on the knife being a threat and the 21-foot rule. And prosecutors went through another part of the instruction manual, including 
a part that is part of the general orders for police officers that says that shooting should only be, be done as a last resort. You know, they sort of hammered the fact that it says you should only shoot when you absolutely have to, that it needs to be carefully considered, and that there can be criminal consequences if you shoot when you shouldn't. Um, he was clearly frustrated or, or maybe even dismayed by the questioning. He seemed unhappy that they were hammering on those details about, about the use of force policy. Finally, today we heard from a woman who called police on Laquan McDonald about 20 hours before the fatal shooting. What did she have to say? Yeah, that was Yvette Patterson. Um, she talked about the night, it was about 2 in the morning on October 20th, so the, the day that Laquan McDonald was killed, but really the night before. Um, he sort of startled her. He was like on her back steps when she came home from a party at about 2 a.m. He walked over and he was like, can I see your car? And I'm like, what do you want with my car? And he was like, I just want to use it. I'm going to bring it right back. So I'm, me and him just laughing and talking. He seemed like, you know, he was a nice young guy or whatever. She called 911, and according to what was said uh, by Attorney Dan Herbert today, she said she was afraid to get out of her car because of Laquan McDonald's presence. But on the stand today, she said she wasn't afraid of Laquan McDonald, that he wasn't a threat, that they sort of joked and laughed together, and that she actually described him as a nice young man. Um, she did not want to be here today. They even, at the beginning, said, you're here under subpoena. That means you're forced to testify. And I think it was clear that she did not want to be testifying for the defense in this case. So how did the prosecution cross-examine her? You know, they, they only asked her one question. They asked, um, so Laquan McDonald's family lived next door to you, right? And she said, yes, they did. You know, just to explain why he would have been there, that it wasn't that surprising or menacing that he was next door to where his family lives. Okay, Patrick, thanks a lot. Thank you. Jason Van Dyke is charged with first-degree murder, aggravated battery, and official misconduct. But the jury could decide to convict him on something that's not listed in those charges. We reached out to Valparaiso University law professor Andrea Lyon again to find out what options the jurors will have and how they'll even know what those options are. Well, the jurors will get instructions from the judge at the end of the trial after uh, all the evidence is in and closing arguments. And those jury instructions tell the jury what the law is and what their options are. So he could be, they could only get the aggravated battery charges that they have and the first-degree murder charges, but given that the evidence has raised the issue of self-defense, the judge will uh, likely give a self-defense instruction, which would be a complete uh, defense, and a second-degree murder con- uh, instruction, which is a compromise verdict between first-degree murder and a full acquittal based on self-defense. Second-degree murder includes all of the same elements as first-degree murder, except that it adds one, and that is it says that the defendant, Mr. Van Dyke, believed he was in danger or was in fear, but that his belief was unreasonable under the circumstances. And if the jury comes to that conclusion, then they would convict him of second-degree murder rather than first. And a second-degree murder conviction would result in a shorter sentence? Yes, it's a shorter sentence. It's a, it's a 4 to 20 year sentence as opposed to a 20 to 60 year sentence. So the judge is the one who decides whether the jury has the option to convict on lesser charges. What goes into that decision? Well, either of the of the lawyers, the prosecution or the or the defense can ask for the instruction. 
uh, or the judge can give it sua sponte. That just means on his own. The, the law in Illinois is that if there is some evidence, that's the actual quote, some evidence that would support a giving the instruction, the instruction should be given. I would be very surprised if Judge Gahn does not give these instructions. How often do we see juries considering lesser charges in cases like this? You see it quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of cases where there's a first-degree charge and there is provocation or unreasonable belief in self-defense or self-defense, and the juror gets instructed on those matters and then makes a decision as to what the facts and the law tell them to do. Andrea Lyon, thanks a lot. You're welcome. On his way out of the courthouse today, Laquan McDonald's great-uncle, Reverend Marvin Hunter, He said if the jury does convict Jason Van Dyke of a lesser charge than first-degree murder, he's okay with that. A conviction is a conviction in this case. We've never had a police officer in the position that Jason Van Dyke is in for doing anything to a black person in this county. And so, therefore, if they convict him for jaywalking, it's a success. It's It's a move forward. Sixteen Shots is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. It was produced by James Edwards with assistance from Joe Dassault and Carrie Shepard. Our reporting team includes Shannon Heffernan, Chip Mitchell, and Patrick Smith. Mike Lansu is our digital editor with help from Paula Friedrich and Gabrielle Wright. Our senior editor is Rob Wildeboer. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. And Steve Edwards is WBEZ's chief content officer. Special thanks to the Tribune editors, Matt O'Connor, Tracy Van Morlehem, and Angela Rosa O'Toole. And thanks to the WBEZ Newsroom, whose reporting was instrumental to this series. You can find out more about the case at wbez.org slash 16shots. Check this podcast feed regularly for updates from the trial of Officer Jason Van Dyke and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, more than ever, facts matter. That's why the journalists at the Chicago Tribune are committed to quality journalism, relentlessly pursuing the truth, and providing you with the stories that impact your community, as well as your daily life. Get fact-based journalism and support the future of investigative reporting, like 16 Shots, by subscribing to the Chicago Tribune today. Visit chicagotribune.com 16shots for a special subscription offer just for listeners of this podcast.